Welcome to the virtual roundtable, expanding your club's offerings, virtual fitness and live streaming, sponsored by Les Mills. Before we get started, here's a little bit more information about our sponsor. Les Mills is a global leader in group fitness programming and has been providing innovative ways to exercise for over 50 years, both in world-class programming and inventive digital solutions. Thank you, Les Mills, for being a part of the 2020 Club Solutions Virtual Summit. Paula, go ahead and take it away. Thank you, and thank you to Les Mills, um, and thank you, Sean, who is with us from Les Mills. Sean Turner, I want to introduce him. He's the CEO of Les Mills US, um, part of our distinguished group of panelists um, today. Also with us is Aaron Moore, who is the Director of Operations at VEDA um, around Washington, uh, the Washington, D.C. area. Also with us is Debbie Sedano, who is the Senior VP of Sales and Marketing at the Alaska Club. And Greg Maurer, who is with us, he's the Vice President of Fitness and Education at Workout Anytime. And also with us is Aida Johnson-Rapp, who is the Director of Group Fitness with East Bank Club in Chicago. So thank you all for being with us today. And my name is Paula Newbert. I am the president and general manager at Club Greenwood in Colorado, where we just got some wonderful snow. Um, so anyway, well, let's go ahead and get started. We've got a lot to talk about. This is a very exciting topic. And I know our panelists have a wonderful amount of information to share with all of you. So first, I'm going to give each of an opportunity to say just a little bit about themselves about your club, and then also what it is that you're providing as far as virtual. Um, so maybe, Sean, why don't you go ahead and get started, though, with uh, Les Mills, and thank you again for sponsoring today. Uh, thanks a lot, Paula. Um, so basically, I've been in the industry, oh, maybe uh, 30 years now, um, and I've worked all over in the Middle East, uh, Europe for a long time, and. In the last two years, I've relocated to the U.S. to the wonderful city of Chicago, um, close to Aida, um, and they're a great partner of ours, and some of the others are on the on the call. Um, a lot of people don't know also that uh, besides general, um, doing group workouts and being the leader in group exercise uh, programming, we also own a number of clubs in uh, New Zealand as well so we're also club operators um, which allows us to also trial and test a lot of our offerings um, and also somewhat be able to practice what we preach um, in some manner um, from a digital perspective i think you know we've been really developing and innovating in the digital space to best support our clubs engaged members for a few years now um, um, our key offerings at the moment are we have virtual which we call which we call in club virtual in club so virtual programming in studios which is really designed to allow clubs to expand the group fit offering and really optimize ROI of their studio space um, and that's been growing as a trend over a couple of years there's a number of providers in that space so that's one of the offerings we have in the clubs um, we have an on demand platform that is called Lesmos on demand which has over a thousand um, of our world-class workouts on it um, that actually works um, direct to consumer and to clubs through an affiliate model which allows them to generate revenue as well um, and that includes a, a wide range of workouts including children's workouts which is super important we find in this time during the COVID uh, 
pandemic to keep kids active. Um, and also we've recently started live streaming on that platform by our uh, top and most talented instructors. We also have started um, offering our clubs that have Les Mills and workouts in their clubs, um, a live streaming uh, programming offering that the instructors can stream to their um, members um, if they have Les Mills classes in their clubs and their special release workouts and that allows them to stream on the platform of their choice as well. We've also um, increased our capacity in the online education space, uh, which is super important for us to support our clubs and the instructor training. So instructor training now, our initial module training um, has, uh, is online, which allows people all over the country to join in a lot easier uh, way than having to actually um, come to us. So that could be interesting for places like Alaska, for example, um, that we have on the call, which is a challenge to, to get those folks over sometimes. And also um, our group fitness mo management module, which is designed to enhance uh, club operations around group exercise and allow them to better manage that space. Um, you know, we've had a wonderful course that's really driven by our founder, Philip Mills, in that space for years. And, you know, we've updated that option and now it's online. So those are the key uh, plays that we have currently in the digital space um, that support uh, the live offering and the virtual in-club offering that we have currently. Okay, thank you, Sean. That's, Les Mills has always been uh, such a leader in this industry and you guys, once again, are doing an amazing job. So thank you very much for that. Um, Debbie, why don't we go to you and talk to us a little bit about your clubs in Alaska and tell us what you're doing from a virtual standpoint. Great, thank you. Um, at the, in Alaska, we have a network of 14 different facilities that uh, vary in different sizes. Um, we are somewhat new to virtual, probably as new as, as most clubs are. We got thrusted into it once uh, COVID hit, we got shut down. Though we have found after much trial and error, um, kind of the space that does the best for us. So right now what we're offering, we offer anywhere between five to eight different classes a day. We offer um, a variety of different formats, everywhere from mind-body resistance training, dance classes, boot camp, cycle. Um, some of our more popular classes are our niche offerings, which are the kids' classes, so I was excited to hear about that. Um, we started a PE class, it's called PE with Ben. Um, it's been extremely popular, and then we have some senior classes. We also do pop-up <laughs> classes um, online, which have been very popular. Um, in addition to some of these streaming classes, which you can uh, watch later, which are recorded, we are also um, offering some on-demand classes with some pretty great partners. So we appreciate that opportunity. Um, right now we're using uh, Facebook and Zoom, though we are hunting for some other platforms. Um, we have, as I said earlier, we've really found through trial and error what classes seem to be the most popular and what times seem to be the most popular. Um, but, you know, we, we're, we're still working on different formats as we start to move more and more clubs open. Okay, Debbie, thank you for that. Greg, let's move to you and tell us a little bit about what you're doing. 
Thank you. Um, yeah, what we're doing, we, we've really divided our offerings into a couple different areas and developed a strategy. And first is that we have pre-recorded workouts using our coaches uh, available on YouTube, and they're available at no charge for for anyone really, but obviously primarily our members. And then we have a partnership with a company called Care Sports, and they have a great ability to create a different type of workout process where you're essentially using clips and arranging them into a playlist. And we have them, they're pre-recorded, they're preset, and people can consume them. And there's a whole lot of them. And if you go to our website, workoutanytime.com, you can link to that. And then we use our app, obviously, our partner's Virtua Gym. There's 70 preset workouts. They can create their own workouts and they use animated clips. So it's another, and, and people tend to fall into different categories in, in terms of what they prefer. And then the fee-based offerings are video on demand uh, through our partnership with Virtua Gym and that's through fitness on demand. And not the same as, but similar in some ways to Les Mills or Wexar, you, know, you have a huge offering of pre-recorded classes, very very high quality content that they can consume. Obviously, it's pre-recorded. And then last but not least, we have one-on-one -on -one virtual, small group, and large group, and that's live. And we use the GymGo platform preferentially for the delivery, scheduling, fees, all that good stuff associated with the live fee-based services. Okay, Greg, thank you very much for that. And Aida, how about you in Chicago at East Bank? Yes, so my name is Aida Johnson Rapp. I'm at East Bank Club, and I've been in the industry like probably from the beginning of the industry as it's known. I started in Miami in the late 70s with record players and, and racquetball shoes. And so over the years, I've still been in it and I've seen every trend. So for us, we're a very large um, multi-purpose facility. So fitness has turned into one of our main focuses, but we also offer a lot of country club type amenities, very luxury upscale amenities. Um, prior to COVID, we had about 230 classes a week on the schedule. And now with COVID, we're reduced to about 100 and with instructors. And that's a, a lot of reasons for that is allowing the time for the sanitation. And then there are restrictions by the city. So we're restricted to 10 people per class. And so prior to COVID, probably actually a year and a half prior to COVID, we had started with a, uh, we had outsourced a recording of some of our classes and we put them in an online platform. Uh, the company that we started with went out of business, but we took all of the recordings and we partnered with, um, or we signed up for the Vimeo premium and we put those on our website actually even prior to COVID. So our members had access to on-demand workouts with our instructors for quite some time. Uh, we had also partnered with Les Mills and we had offered the trip in our uh, really fantastic cycling studio, if I have to brag about it, with a 14 by 23 foot uh, LED uh, huge uh, display board. So the trip is just one of the most fantastic things you can see in there. And so that was doing well. So we still continue to offer the trip every day um, we offer it in the afternoon, on the weekends. And then we also have um, Stages Bikes 
and we offer flight. And we just started doing flight virtual. So those are ways that we can, you know, cut back on the budget, but also offer a class experience and utilize our large spaces. We have five studios. And now for the studios, uh, trial and error, we have now started to do some streaming classes. And that was motivated by the fact that we could only put 10 people in the studio where we could have a capacity of 80. So we took a big hit in terms of participation and our, you know how group exercise participants are. They're the most dedicated people in the club. And so when they can't get to a class, it's mayhem. So we've started streaming uh, again, like Debbie through trial and error. We figured out how to live stream. We're using the Vimeo platform for that. And we're streaming about three to four classes a day, particularly because of the setup. It's not, you know, it's hard to move a setup from one studio to the other. So we're using the studio that um, we can do the setup in. And then if we have overflow, we stream actually that class into another studio. So we can live stream, not just to our members, but we can also live stream to people in the club in another studio so they have access to equipment that they might not have at home. And so that's basically on the group exercise what we're doing. It's, it's a lot, it's been uh, a challenge and I've learned a lot of new things. <laughs> Aida, thank you. That point that you just said, that was the first time I've heard that one about streaming to another studio inside. So well done. That was a great idea. Erin, um, how about Vida? You guys are doing some great stuff there. Yeah, thanks, Paul. So Erin Mark from uh, Vida Fitness. We have six locations in Washington, D.C. and uh, Northern Virginia. Uh, basically doing four different things with virtual. Uh, personal training 101 has been really successful virtually while we were closed. We were doing 70% uh, of previous year. Uh, we did not expect that at all, just the way it worked out and the, the trainers were really motivated to, to get that done. Uh, live and on-demand group fitness classes as well, again, have done uh, very well for us. Uh, we've offered our, our full uh, library of classes uh, since uh, early March uh, with that. Um, also doing a lot of nutritional counseling. Uh, virtually, uh, one-on-ones and small groups. Um, we're a little too close to our pantries these days, so uh, we're starting to hear terms like pandemic pounds and things like that. So we're helping people make uh, smarter food choices at the grocery store uh, and things like that. Uh, and we've started to do a fair amount of uh, wellness webinars uh, as well, uh, just partnering with uh, other local businesses in the community to just provide value to the, the community at large and our members as well. So. Uh, actually partnered with a, a local OBGYN clinic uh, and we're doing a women's wellness webinar uh, later on this month. So those have been uh, pretty well received. So virtual has been been good to us so far. That's awesome. That's a great idea too, Erin. Well done. So some of you have touched on a little bit about the different offerings, but how are you, you know, um, both Debbie and Aida, you said trial and error. How are you determining what it is that you're offering is it you know do you survey do you just put things out there and see who's coming um what it is you know how is it that you're determining what it is that you're offering so debbie why don't we start with you sure when we were shut down we we started first by just finding out which one of our instructors um, which instructors were able to teach for us we were filming not only in our studios 
but we were also creating backdrops and um, shuffling them out to instructors to make sure that the classes look branded for those instructors who were not comfortable coming in the studios. Um, what we started to do um, was we have a moderator on each one of the, uh, every time we film so that there's engagement. And for us, we've really found that we have these really beautiful content that we've been provided by um, some of our partners. But we found that the connection that members have to the instructors was pretty important, at least at the beginning stages. And so we always had a moderator on, whether we were on Zoom or whether we were on Facebook Live, um, somebody who was always kind of taking attendance and asking people how they were doing. We found that that chit chat between um, members was a really important part for connection and engagement. Um, once we opened, we had a pretty good idea of who was willing to come into the club, what demographics were willing to come into the club. And for us, what we found was Mind Body undoubtedly was probably our most popular um, or largest participant base for our live classes. Um, and then our niche groups, like I said, we were really pretty blown away with um, our PE class. We had anywhere between 300 and 500 participants Monday through Friday. We, we set a consistent schedule. Um, we started playing around with the green screen. We started having costumes. We started having, um, we leveraged our partnerships with um, different Olympic athletes who um, would host classes for us. And for us, this was really a way to give back to the community and keep our members engaged. So um, I guess, uh, long story short, we look at the demographics. We have somebody on during every one of our live stream classes to see how many people are participating. Um, and then we go from there. Okay, thank you, Debbie. Greg, how about you? How are you determining? Are you just offering everything or picking and choosing certain things? Uh, well, we started by just asking ourselves, you know, what, what are the strategy and goals? And what we came up with is that there's three big goals. Number one, short-term and long-term is, more short-term is member retention. So that's focus it on members who have canceled or have elected, they're frozen, they're not, they've, they've not returned. Longer term, we think that virtual services are gonna be expected as a complement to in-club. We don't think any of this is going away. Uh, obviously, new member acquisition, very important. Now we're no longer, in theory, dependent on local geography the way we were before. Um, and also then, clearly a new revenue screen stream. Our, our demographic is younger, so we're very young, probably 18 to 35, right? And, and the folks that, the older that our members get, the less likely it is that they will come back. And, and we believe that, and we're seeing that different people, different members will gravitate. Some people love video on demand. They don't need that interaction. They're fine with that right, that, that, that fills that need. There's other people, if they don't have that instructor engagement or they're not talking to other people, if they don't get that, they're not gonna like it. Some people love the app, right, they love it. They go, this fit, fits my needs, I'm using it. And so each one of the things I talked about in the beginning are being used and we're just starting to get a sense, you know, what's getting used more than other. And keep in mind, we have 170 locations, so we, we have a lot of locations spread out over very large areas. So each area is very different in terms of how these things are deployed. Um, 
So we have to look, we, we have to take all that into account as we develop programming and strategy. Yeah, very good points, Greg. And Sean, what are you finding as far as your, um, the data that Les Mills is getting as far as what types of classes, formats that people are tending to be driven towards during this time? Oh, Sean, there we go. Interesting, uh, Greg's point around uh, the younger generation. Um, you know, there's been a lot of research that we've done and also done some work with Club Intel on those stats. Um, but we know that around 80% of them are becoming the consumers of fitness. Um, and they're consuming more and more. Not only that, is they tend to gravitate towards virtual at home, but are also looking to clubs to ba basically have an online and offline offering and that gives clubs that have that offering especially at a high quality a competitive advantage so as greg says we don't see that going away um, we've got uh, pretty solid stats at, uh, on that i also don't feel that clubs have to be worried about the online space in the sense that people will still uh, gravitate towards clubs provided they have a blended offering um, but I think the key point there is when choosing an offering, a um, few people mentioned already, you have to take into account how you're driving people from online to offline or to your clubs and what your strategy around that is uh, to have a, you know, digital and physical working in unison with your as a combined strategy, not in silos, um, which in my experience in digital previously, that's often one of the challenges. People see digital as separate to the physical. So I think that that's one big thing that we're seeing um, happening and accelerating in the space. The other thing Greg mentioned too, is the ability to monetize and look for new revenue streams. Uh, um, you know, a lot of the clubs are under pressure in lots of areas. Um, retention's always been a challenge for our industry. So how do we better engage, motivate um, members and keep them coming to the club and experiencing the wonderful thing that is live uh, workout because you can't really replicate that although we're all doing our best to do that the live experience is still the ultimate experience and getting people together um, and even in socially distancing time people still want to come to the club and they want to see people so connection is is really key um, Workout wise, I, I think that, you know, we expected that people on our platform would gravitate mainly towards uh, workouts with no equipment. However, it's very interesting to see that Body Pump, which is our iconic program, is the most attended online as well. So, we, and as you know, I'm not sure if you know, but it's very difficult to get workout equipment these days. Like, so if you go online, you know, there's some statistics that say it's the number one, uh, number two, sorry, selling product as a, as a segment uh, on Amazon. And we're seeing that also with the sales of our, our smart tech equipment. So Body Pump is working very well for us. Um, and most of the programs as well, um, also in the kids space in certain segments, as Debbie mentioned, in niche spaces, that's very popular. So with our YMCA um, partnerships, you know, we're in a lot of those clubs. And we also offered um, during the, uh, the initial when COVID hit, 
we offered a free link to our partners that had around 100 workouts on it that they could utilize, especially you know, to support um, children and parents at home with their kids. Um, and of course, I'm not sure how many people have kids on the, on the call. Uh, it's very challenging as a parent. And, uh, but it's also very rewarding being at home with your kids. And you know, one of the great ways is being able to work out with them. So um, we've, we've seen good growth in that space as well. Um, so equipment, we thought would be a barrier, but it hasn't really been. And that's, I guess, an interesting finding that, that we could share. Yeah, thank you, Sean. Thank you for that. Um, Aida, you had mentioned that East Bank started doing a form of virtual or on-demand, you know, year and a half prior to, to COVID. So you guys were really out in front of this thing, which is great. But now that we're well into this, how are you determined? Because you said you're doing about three to four classes per day that are being live streamed. Is that correct? Yes. How are you picking and choosing which ones you're, you're, stream, you're choosing to stream? So because we have these um, city mandated restrictions on how many people can come indoors, what we have decided to do is take the classes that ended up with the largest wait list. Now, prior to COVID, we, you know, you just walked in the studio because we have one of our studios holds 80 people. But prior to COVID, nobody had to register. Now they do. And we have a system where some classes we can do wait lists. So the ones that typically had the largest wait lists are the ones that we're streaming. So we did some shifting. We moved classes around in those instances where we are able to stream a class into another studio. We have the main class with a limited res registration. And then we have the overflow class, which will get a wait list. And then you can also stream that class. So that's basically how we determined it was the classes with the biggest overflow. So. Okay, thank you, Raida. And mm -hmm. Aaron, I know you guys jumped on virtual like almost immediately and really took advantage of of what was happening during COVID. How are you guys deciding, you know, what you did then and what you're doing now and making changes along the way? Yeah, so fortunately for us, our members tell us what they like and, and what they hate all day every day. Um, <laughs> yes, we sent out SurveyMonkey surveys. Yes, we have Medallia MXM feedback coming in. Uh, one of the things I will highlight that was a bit unexpected is in a pre-pandemic live environment, our members gravitate towards the same handful of instructors. You know, they join as a new member, they kind of try out everybody, they figure out the four or five instructors that they really like, and they only attend their classes, and they want those instructors to dominate uh, the schedule. In virtual, it's been a little bit different, and they want those same instructors initially, and then as time goes by, because there's not that same level of in-person engagement, they're like, all right, enough of this person, enough of this group of people, let's get somebody on there that we haven't seen before. So we're being challenged to put more variety out there uh, than, I mean, we have tons of variety during uh, a live format because everybody's different and everybody likes different instructors, but it seems like um, we can't have the same group of instructors dominating the schedule. And we've even had to, you know, take people off for a couple weeks because they've been on there uh, since the beginning. So people uh, aren't seeing very many new faces these days. So they're really attracted uh, to those new faces. So we've had to actually do some hiring and, and do some guest teaching and things like that just to put different styles and 
different personalities and, and different approaches out there. So that started to work really well. Uh, the other thing is uh, our members and uh, you know non-members that are consuming our virtual product are sick of looking at people's apartments and condos and bookshelves and things like that. So um, while we were closed, we did some in-studio filming, um, but just due to the volume of content we needed, we needed to make it convenient and more efficient for our instructors. So we're really uh, permanently retiring the apartment condo hosted class, and um, we've created a production studio in some of our clubs, uh, providing uh, live access uh, to classes that are going on. Uh, and then also uh, just filming in the studios when classes aren't going on to really build uh, our content library. So mm -hmm. it's an evolution, so we're, we're learning as we go. Yeah. Aaron, you touched on a couple of things. So I'm going to actually start with you on this one right away is uh, the best practices. You know, everybody was doing it in their house with their phone and then, but now our members or our prospects are expecting greater things. So how have you transitioned to what are some things that you want to make sure you, you know, stay away from and what is it that your instructor kind of needs to make sure that they're doing? And from a technical standpoint, too, how far have you come from the beginning to where we are now? Yeah, so I'll start with a couple really simple things. I mean, don't don't assume that you have awareness uh, with your membership base. Uh, we've had to spend so much effort uh, putting it out there, marketing it, creating awareness. Um, don't assume anything. You know, really engage your members as far as that goes. Uh, the other thing that we have to work on uh, is shifting. Um, higher audio uh, and visual quality. Um, so as people consume it more frequently, the expectations come up. Uh, people are, are trying uh, Peloton. People are gravitating towards Les Mills and things like that. We're never going to put out a higher quality product than, than Les Mills or, or Peloton. The only thing we really have going for us is our instructors that have relationships with our members. Uh, as well as uh, our class studios themselves. You know, our members want to see the actual uh, class studios in the backdrop, and that sort of gives them that uh, that peace of mind and that longing uh, that they've had as well. So keep the engagement up, uh, high quality audio, video, and then ease of access has been a, a big thing. You know, we learned out in the beginning uh, how efficient uh, that it really needs to be to find the content. I mean, it should really be one click, one click away. You're logged in, you're finding the content, you can filter by instructor, class format, uh, and things like that, and really uh, eliminating drop-off and confusion. So not um, not super exciting stuff, but just the, the logistical gymnastics you have to go through to, to really put out quality content. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. And it's true, it's being willing to change and adapt and be flexible based on where, you know, what the next challenge is for us. Greg, you right away um work out anytime used fitness on demand and also you referred to a company called care uh i can't even remember what that was but another company that you were using so you went to a higher quality product right away um can you tell us a little bit about has it changed or has that been um working well for you using those two those products and then obviously jimgo as well sure so if you, you know, we have 170 clubs, remember we're a franchise organization. So there's a whole lot of stuff happening, right? A whole lot of stuff. And we looked at it and we, we're going the route that Aaron went. 
we are developing a studio and we're going to put a lot of money into it right here where i'm sitting in alpharetta georgia and our plan is to deliver the content from here and say to our franchise partners hey if you want to do it yourself that's great but we're going to do that for you and you can just plug them into our content so when you look at that we've done a, a whole lot of due diligence a whole ton of it the platform you're going to use is really important so you have to consider how am i going to sell it how am i going to schedule it how am i going to deliver it how easy is it for prospects to try this how easy is it for them to buy schedule and consume right and then how do you manage all that how do you manage kpis associated with this because it's a business right and if you're running five platforms guys boy you're good luck with that um that's a lot to manage that's why we like jimgo because it packages up a lot in one place i think you need to consider music and music licensing i think people are going to get you're going to get slammed for that um there's two companies i've talked to um one is called feed f-e-e-d-f-m feed fm the other one is plain network most companies out there in my mind are breaking the law they will come around and find you so if you're using someone like uh video on demand like les mills you don't have to worry about that they have done that but if you're just throwing music up there thinking that you can do that guys you cannot do that and they i know because we've spent a lot of time and, and we can't as a brand i can't take any risk you have to have screaming internet. You need at least a hundred megabyte upload. Preferably you have a one gig service. Like Aaron said, quality matters. What's the experience? Can I hear the instructor? Is he stepping over the music? You've got to look at that. I talked to AV now. Um, they have great hardware stuff because the hardware that you're delivering and what people are seeing, this matters. I don't want to have two and three people in the room, guys. And if you get the right hardware and the right platform, I don't think you need, but you have to go through that. You obviously need fantastic instructors. Uh, if you really want this to scale, right? And you need a comp plan that is going to give them the opportunity to grow the business and make a whole lot of money. Because if not, guys, you know what they're going to do? They're going to roll, man. Because they, they're going to figure us out something we've been through already. We've all been through this in group exercise. Aiden knows this. If I'm a hotshot and I am commanding a huge audience in her club, if I'm not paid properly, if I'm not taken care of, I just walk down the street and people will follow them. I think you also need an enforceable non-solicitation agreement that is not a non-compete. It just says, hey, Mr. Instructor, we're putting a lot of resource behind this and you. And you're just going to agree to us that you're not going to sky out and start teaching from your own studio next week. This has happened to very good friends of mine, a very big brand. They literally had their program wiped out. I don't think that's fair or right. So I think that's something you want to consider as you develop these programs. Last two things. You need a pricing and a positioning strategy that takes into account, as Sean said, your in-club class and training option, along with your membership um, strategy this needs to be thought you need to think of that out of the gate how does all this work together not just right now in the midst of covid where do i want to be a year from now because you can set yourself up in a bad way or a good way last but not least you think you need to do a detailed pro forma model your virtual business have all your team members involved
product, I have marketing. I want everyone driving this because we view this as a business. This is a new business. We think it's here to stay. And so we get, we're gonna jump into this, but we're gonna move quickly, but we're also gonna be careful and thoughtful about the process. Greg, you guys have done an exceptional job. That's that's amazing. And being a franchisee, that's why not go ahead and use the studio setting that you're going to do to help versus having to do things on your own. So well done. That that was brilliant. Um, I'm very well thought out. So Debbie, going back to Alaska Clubs, you guys are obviously you own all of your facilities and, um, and have a pretty tight community there in Alaska. But tell us a little bit about you know, you, you touched on having a moderator from the beginning and how important that was. What are some other best practices that you have used for your virtual and how it's changed along the way? Sure. I'm probably going to echo quite a bit of what's already been said. Um, you know, from a marketing background, one of the things we looked at with virtual is what did we want it to do? And initially, we wanted our members to remember us. We wanted them to have a place to come back to. We wanted them to connect because we knew there was beautiful content, um, really professional content out there. Um, so for us, we looked at virtual as a way to um, market to new for new member acquisition and for retention purposes and for community outreach. In the beginning stages, um, we did quite a bit of PR. Like I mentioned before, we used some of our sponsorships that we have with Olympic athletes who um, co-hosted classes. We sent out press releases to the news and got quite a bit of coverage for um, a lot of the different things that we did. So for us, again, our virtual is a, is a value added for our members if they remember us. Um, as we started to get uh, more and more knowledge. The other thing I can say is we tested and tested and tested um, not only the formats, but the equipment. I think you can't say enough about the equipment. We partnered with a production company here because we realized pretty quickly that um, none of us were audiovisual techs. We had them come do, um, come teach us how to, how to light things. We rented equipment because we couldn't find any equipment. None of them, we, you know, Best Buy was sold out here. Um, it was weeks until you could get anything on Amazon, so we rented for a while until we could get our hands on the right equipment, which I think is, is really important. Uh, like Greg said, we, we started, um, we have one room that we use for production now, which is very important. And then um, also a user-friendly platform. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about having a moderator, but a platform because you're looking at people who are very savvy online and on-demand classes. And then you're also looking at a demographic who's never zoomed into anything. And so what we wanted to do was ensure that people were not getting frustrated. Um, when we first started, we were getting you know, messages all day long that says, I don't know how to log in, I can't log in, I don't know how to do this. So we started putting all of our platforms together. So if you couldn't log in on one platform, you could log in on another platform. And that's one of the reasons we had a moderator at all times. So that if somebody wrote and said, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get on this online class, you could have immediate feedback from somebody. So somebody could contact you and say, all right, go to the, you know, hit this link. So that's one of the things we found. We found that you really have to have a schedule that's easy to read, which is different than your schedule in class. And that the links have to be very, very user friendly. It has to be two steps, no friction, easy to go. So um, 
I can't say enough about having a moderator because it encourages people to engage and connect with your facility. Interesting. Thank you, Debbie. That's great, great yeah. feedback. And Aida, switching over to you at East Bank, you, uh, you know, talked about the company that you used in the beginning and they're lo no longer in business. And then you've shifted gears a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the, the best practices that you're doing at East Bank. Okay, so actually, again, we were, you know, thinking futuristic. We had started to hire, or we did hire, a music coordinator. Um, and what that did was allowed us to be able to curate playlists. I mean, we definitely want instructors to, to tell us what they want to play in their class. But what we were able to do was get the music coordinator to create the mixes, so the mixes were exciting. And then again, with our cycling studio, we found um, a gentleman who had the talent to understand how to do video, mixed background video. Um, additionally, he had knowledge of music licensing and, you know, and I have a theatrical background as well. I did a lot of theater tech as well. So, and we have a social media um, person in our marketing department who also has a lot of a technology background. So we were actually able to do a lot of all of this in-house. And even during COVID, we came in, we had, uh, we bought the lighting, we bought microphones for the cameras, we set up instructors and we created um, more additional on-demand workouts while we were quarantined. And so we've continued to do that now and we're trying to put together at least four or five new on-demand workouts right now one of the things that we also do everybody talked about ease of use is to make sure that our members don't have to go to a lot of different places that was actually even an issue when we had outsourced it initially because they had to go to a separate app i mean they could access the app from our website and get the link and all of that but i always felt that was problematic so now that we are doing all of that in-house, they go directly to the website and they get to the drop-down menu, fitness, and then fitness on demand. And that's where they see our video library. And then on our calendar now, and, and we just really got this down. <laughs> we refined it so that when you go to the calendar and you filter for group exercise, any class that's gonna be streamed has a live symbol outside and they can register for that. So that's pretty simple. And then at the start of the class, they can go to the calendar, click that, and the live stream will start if they register for it. So everything that we're doing is for members only. So you have to be a member, you have to log in, and um, that it's a service. So we're not charging any extra for it. So it's part of their membership. And hopefully, you know, it's fluid. We don't know if we're gonna offer it as a, you know, virtual membership only, but right now we're offering it to our members only and we've tried to create it so it's simple and easy to access, so. Okay, thank you, Aida. And Sean, uh, there's, there's no prettier studios than the where Les Mills films. So tell us a little bit about things that we need to know to make it look like you guys make it look. <laughs> um, wow, you need more money. Let, let's start there. Um, but 
Yeah, look, I, th I think it's beyond, uh, you know, it's going to get more and more competitive in this space. Um, you know, Apple, as a lot of you may know, are speaking about getting into uh, this space as well. So again, very important to drive people from online into your club and connect with the offering that you have and to have a very, very high quality as people's demand for quality will naturally increase as they get used to it. Aaron mentioned, you know, people working out in their living rooms with water bottles, etc. Nice, creative, fantastic, um, and innovative. However, there's a limit to it. For us, quality and being, you know, the so-called Disney of the Group X space um, has always been our ambition. And we keep on spending a lot of money there and innovating. Um, if anyone's seen some of the outdoor shoots that we've done um, a few releases ago in New Zealand, um, etc. But the important thing around that is really what we believe the quality is all about is actually the quality of motivation. And that's really important and how you best engage people. And the way our instructors are trained to teach, the way we film, we have seven cameras, I think it is around about now, um, and the facial expressions, et cetera, allow a better form of connection in that quality of motivation. And that's designed to best replicate the live experience. Um, and that's very, very difficult to do and takes years of experience. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't suggest everyone out there go and try and do that. Um, but I think that there is a good balance with the blend. And what we're seeing is on demand, it's very convenient, it's flexible, you can do a high quality content in there. But we also recognize that live streaming and having um, club proprietary live streaming from the club to connect them with the instructors that are in the club, if it's our programming or their own programming is very important as well. And live streaming gives them an element of freshness, as a few people have mentioned. It gives them relevance that you're connecting to what's happening right now. Um, you know, we're in, we're in COVID in some states and, you know, some clubs are opening up. Some clubs have been open for a while. Having that discussion beforehand to connect with the participants is very, very important to make them feel comfortable. There's an authenticity around uh, live streaming. That, that's very important as well. So that, that's very important in that place. And ultimately also the social connection. So when we're doing those uh, types of filming, if it's for live streaming or teaching instructors in the partners that we have on how to live stream, you know, we really delve into the quality of the filming, the coaching and cueing, how they set up and meet and greet people in the beginning and drilling down into all those elements that actually become a super, super important. And ultimately in our on-demand platforms, uh, that's where um, we're really focused on the quality of motivation and trying to get as close to um, the real live experience as possible through using camera angles, personality, and bringing out the personality of the instructor through not only what they say, but also zooming in on certain expressions, etc. So it's quite a detailed and uh, planned uh, experience. Um, obviously, also, we've mentioned uh, music a few times. You know, we're known for music. We spend a lot of money on that. Um, licensing, as Greg mentioned, is a huge, huge issue. So, for example, people ask us, why haven't we had live streaming to instructors earlier on? 
And the reason is for live streaming our program, there's licensing um, that's required by the clubs, which most clubs have anyway for music, but also for us um, to work around. So those are the things that make it quite costly to uh, do it on your own. Um, and also, as people have said, retain a really high quality um, and that critical quality of motivation in the way you, you film music and especially training and coaching of the rock star instructors that you have. Fabulous. Thank you, Sean, for sharing that. And I want to switch a little bit to um, right now, there's two things that our, our clubs are facing. Is one, how do we keep our members and keep our members engaged and keep them paying us? And then how do we attract more members or create more revenue? And Greg, you were touching on this um, using virtual to for another revenue line. So are you selling your virtual or your on-demand or your live classes to other folks that are not members or are you selling it as an upgrade to your current membership or how are you looking at doing that? So there's two scenarios. What are our franchise partners doing? And they're, they're, they're selling primarily to members, probably some non-members as well. I'm not privy to what 170 different clubs are doing exactly. What is our strategy longer term? When we when we develop the studio I spoke of, we will we will say to our franchise partners, you can sell this. We'll come out of the gate with an all-you-can-eat offer, very very inex, you know inexpensive pricing. Why? Because uh, we've launched programs before and we want to have a ton of value. So it'll say, look, you can consume as many classes, live virtual classes as you want. There'll be both small group, which we call 12 or less. We've experimented. We don't believe you can have truly interactive class experience with more than 12. Um, and then there'll be large group, aka broadcast, which as we all know is more of a, I'm leading the group, but I'm really not, inter I'm not talking to Sean and Aaron, Aida and Debbie. I can't really do that in a large group format. So it feels very different. So it'll be a, a mishmash of those offerings and it will be an add-on to any membership. So if you're a non-member, we just say, yes, you absolutely, and, and the, the mousetrap will be give you a free week of classes, right? So we'll see that person come on the platform, the GymGo platform, and then the instructors have to take over there, and we have to obviously pay attention to who's new, and then we have to say, hey, here's your offer. So if you're a non-member, um, we're gonna we're gonna make you join the club, basically. Whether, you, whether you're 100% virtual or not, because we're not forgetting who we are. We are a membership-driven organization, right? We have 255,000 members, and we have to keep our eye on the ball and keep our eye on where we wanna be when this is all done. And we don't envision being a 100% virtual company. So we wanna continue to maintain the value of membership to our clubs throughout this process. Okay. Great feedback, Greg, and thank you. That's a you guys have put a lot of time into figuring that and uh, figuring out how to do that. Aaron, for you, what are you doing at Vita? Is it an add-on? Are you selling it separately? Yeah, so it's still very much a work in in process, but um, we've um, essentially identified all of our our target markets. So uh, you've got your prospect market. So uh, for those prospects that are not ready to join a gym or come back to the club, but you've got their information in your in your CRM, 
um, we're introducing them to virtual. So a couple different strategies you might use there. You could, and Greg just alluded to this, uh, you could use the freemium model where you get to try it free for a week or 30 days or what have you. So particularly for those clubs that do that anyways, offer those free trials as a, as a membership acquisition strategy. Uh, I can see that working really well. Uh, I'm a big baseball fan, so uh, I've subscribed to the, the MLB app, which gives me access to all the baseball games. And, and one of the things that they do, sort of their freemium model, is they have a free game of the day. So you get one game that you can watch for free is sort of a hook to, to get you to consider uh, subscribing. So we're going after that market. Uh, and then you got your, your active members, and what do you do with them? The, the two models that I've seen there is, you know, most of the people uh, on this panel, it's, it's a value add. You know, they're providing that service as yet another incentive to keep your membership going during the, uh, during the pandemic. Uh, also heard some clubs uh, out there in the industry that uh, a really nominal add-on fee for doing that, particularly if you're a low price point club. So if you're one of those models where for 10 bucks a month you get X, but for 20 bucks a month you get Y, uh, maybe this is one more thing into the uh, Y category, or maybe it's a five to $10 per month nominal uh, no-brainer type add-on. Uh, next bucket, you've got your uh, you've got your frozen members, or your members that are on uh, hold. This is a great way to to keep them uh, engaged. You might consider offering that for free, so you don't have a price barrier, and you really want to keep the conversation going and get them back. Or again, you may offer it uh, at a at a nominal price point. Uh, for us, we've chosen a price point of forty nine dollars per month uh, for uh, non members, frozen members, uh, what have you. Uh, and that's gone over pretty well. Uh, I think we're going to get to this later on in the panel, but we are having up our virtual membership uh, with non-virtual options, outdoor classes, and things like that. And we're going to do a big rebrand and and launch and uh, promotion uh, about that. Uh, next up, you've got your canceled members, so people that just outright canceled uh, during the pandemic. Uh, we're getting on the phones and we're calling them and saying, "Hey, we understand why you canceled." Um, but why don't you uh, why don't you give this virtual product uh, a try? You know you need to exercise anyways. Uh, and then our final bucket, we've gone full out Girl Scout cookie sales mode. So we've talked to all of our members, all of our employees, and say, hey, go to your family and friends, uh, tell them about this virtual product. It's a great product. It's a fair price point, and you're helping to support your friends. You know, a local business uh, X Y Z. And we've got pretty good uh, mobilization uh, on that. Uh, the final thing that I'll tell you about our, our canceled member bucket um, is DC is a very transient area. Uh, people are constantly coming and going. Our average length of membership is about two years. Uh, so this has given us a great opportunity to continue serving those members that are leaving the area because they always tell us, you know, I'm moving to this part of the country. There's nothing like Vita. You guys should open a Vita there. So, okay, well, that's probably not going to happen, but why don't you continue on? on this alumni virtual membership, and you can still have access to all the instructors that you love uh, until you find you know, a better live option uh, if that suits you. So uh, we're getting pretty granular with it, um, breaking it up into different target markets and, and messaging those groups of people accordingly. Great, that's that great idea, Aaron, and so true about um, folks that are moving away from the area when they were so connected to your club before and now they can remain connected even if they're in a completely different place. Aida, you are using it as a value add really for your membership. Yes. But are you finding that one, 
members are, you know, are you allowing it for maybe your freeze memberships too, or are you making them activate in order to get it? Or what are you seeing as far as your retention there? Well, during the pandemic, we opened it up completely. So anybody, it was for members, non-members. Um, at the end of July, we closed it. And so it's, if you're freeze, you don't have access to it. Only our active members have access to it, which actually has started to bring some of the freeze people back because they may want to come to the club. And, you know, our club has been open since 1980. And we have probably 800 members who were, are still coming to us who were there in 1980. And so they're coming back to the club. I know some people said the older demographic isn't coming. They came first. And so then our younger people uh, stayed outside, but now they're coming back as well. And I think that with the 10 person restrictions, keeping it only for member access, first of all, it allows us more flexibility, especially in terms of the music that we can use for uh, classes with the licensing and all of that. But also I have found, I talked to a woman yesterday who was a freeze. So we're allowing them to come back as guests so they can see all the measures that we've taken. But part of that was she had used on demand while we were closed and now she can't use it. So she's like, what do I do? What do I do? I wanna stay connected to East Bank. So she actually came back in. So now she knows she has the option to either, you know, try to get in a live class or stream a live class. So, yes, very good. That it's a great tool for you guys. Well done, um, Debbie. How about in the Alaska clubs? What are you seeing happening there from a retention, more retention based, or is it driving revenue? Um, ours is a work in progress as well. So right now we have it open to the public. As I as I've said almost every time I've um, I've had an opportunity to talk. We use it as a marketing tool. Um, but what we're looking at now, what we're working on right now is dividing it into different groups. Um, we also use it for our prospects, anybody on our leads list that we have. We are sending them um, links to specific videos that we think are appropriate for what they're doing right now, um, just to stay top of mind for those folks. Right now, um, you know, our hope is to get our members back in the club. So we're identifying our different demographics and it's open for um, active members and for hold members. We are um, trying to put together different buckets, so to speak. So different levels where you can have access to the one-on-one -on -one PT, which we're doing as well. Um, boot camps, our app challenges. Um, somebody else earlier said also partnering it up with our um, some of our things that we're doing outside, some of the outside classes that we're doing. So our main goal is to get our members back and keep them engaged. So for our retention tool, um, later, we will probably, as the weather changes here in Alaska, um, if there are truly people who are not feeling comfortable about coming back into the facilities, we may look at, we're looking at an option of having a um, virtual for our freeze members. Okay, thank you, Debbie. We are, our, our time is slipping away, which is just shocking because this topic, I think we could go for hours and hours and hours on it. And it is so important right now. So I wanna give each of you an opportunity to really end with 
what is like the most important things that you could tell people surrounding this? And Sean, I'm going to have you be the last one to kind of wrap up the whole thing. So let's go. We'll go Aaron, Greg, Aida, and Debbie. And just give us a one kind of summary, most important thing that you could really offer to our audience right now to, to wrap up some virtual. Okay, so let's start with you, Aaron. Yeah, the, the most effective thing for us has been the most time-consuming thing. Uh, our members and we've called all of our frozen uh, and canceled members. And it's the, been the best way to create uh, awareness beyond what an email blast or social media post can do. Uh, we're just calling, checking in, how you doing? Let me tell you what we're doing from a safety perspective. Let me tell you what we're offering virtually. Let me tell you what we're doing outdoors. Uh, we're educating them. Uh, on the fact that, knock on wood, we haven't had any reported cases yet since reopening. Um, I'm sure everybody tuning into this panel has heard uh, about the work that Blair at Medallia has done uh, and the low uh, contract tracing percentage that we're seeing in the industry. So people don't know those things. Uh, all they see is what they're seeing on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or you know whatever they're, they're tuning into. So we have to educate them on what we're doing, both at the local level uh, and within the industry. And it's really conversations that are having the highest impact. Those one-off conversations has have turned into people coming back to the club, people talking to their family and friends, people posting positive Yelp reviews and, and Google reviews. So uh, especially for the clubs that are uh, viewed as a, a fixture in their local community uh, in the neighborhood, you know, be a, be a part of the conversation and be there in people's lives. And uh, you'll have a high ROI when you engage people at that level. Excellent. And Aaron, just real quick on that, are you having all of your staff members or only certain staff members make those phone calls? If you're on payroll, you're making phone calls. <laughs> okay. All right. Greg, how about you? If you can give us a, a little summary, words of wisdom. Yeah, I think this is not going anywhere. I think every panelist, we've all said the same thing. This is not going away. Right. So don't think of it short term so you can get started right away with something, but make this a priority and focus on it. But don't rush. The details do matter. Get your whole team involved. This is going to be a two, three year project. Right. So think of it that way. Have someone who's a de designated project manager. There should be weekly meetings. Um, this is this a lot of work, right? And you're not going to get everything right out of the gate. So get started, but treat it as this is a vital part of the future of my business and, and get started right now. Very good advice, Greg. Thank you very much for that. You guys have done a, sounds like a wonderful job um, so far. So excited to see what the end result is once you get that studio going. Aida, how about um, from you at East Bank? You guys have been doing this for a little while already. so. Um, yeah. What can you tell us? So, yeah. So I, I like what Greg said. It's hard work. Yes, it is hard work. You've got to get your intellectual curiosity peaked at a high level because there is just so much to learn. I mean, like I said, I've been in this industry for so long and this is really kind of a very exciting time because beyond just formats and beyond just um, you know, making sure instructors are doing things well in the studio. Now I'm able to give people something else to do, you know, something else to grow. And the growth part of this, and like Greg said, the details is really critical. Um, 
we have a certain level, a certain quality of on-demand right now. And we've ordered some additional equipment, some different cameras. We have sound mixers now. And so the quality every time, especially because we're not doing dance or any of those flailing classes because of um, space and spread and all of that, we need to make sure that when we put a dance workout on our on-demand, that the music is clear and the instructor's voice is clear. So for us, just keeping our head to the, you know, to the information that's out there about how to improve the quality of what we do is is number one. Okay. And Aida, are you still teaching classes too, or are you just in the director level now? No, I actually <laughs> You can't take the teacher out of a teacher. <laughs> so yes, I still I still teach. Yes, not a lot, but I still teach. Well, I'll tell you, with your theatrical background and what's happening right now, I'd love to tune into one of your classes. So that's fantastic. Thank you. And Debbie, if you could wrap up for your um, summarize, maybe a, your one thing or two things you want to make sure that everybody knows. Sure. Um, again, much like what everybody else has said. One of the things we do is we use data quite a bit. So you have a lot of data coming into your clubs and we use it to know who's coming into the facilities. Um, we're looking at who's using their age, their gender, their tenure with the facility, what their usage was before. We use that to connect. Um, like Aaron said, we connect. We're, we're spending a lot of time calling members. We're spending a lot of time emailing members. We are on social media all day long, so connect. And once you make that connection, educate, 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 educate the member. Um, not only into what you're doing in the facility, but all the different offerings that you have, all the new offerings that you have. I think right now, connection is really, really important. Um, do a little of your homework with all the statistics that you have on age, gender, um, and who was using the club before? Those people are probably, if they were if they were heavy members before, they're probably right on the brink of coming back. They just need to know what you're doing. So stay top of mind, stay out there. Perfect, thank you, Debbie. Sean, if you could wrap us all up here with some wonderful parting words on uh, some of the really important things that we need to remember regarding virtual. Well, I think hopefully we've done our job on this panel um, showing how important this uh, blended digital and physical approach is. Um, but if we haven't and people still have thoughts and I get asked and I'm sure we all do get asked by other operators all the time if this is here to say etc etc. I think that we have to recognize that despite our industry consumer behavior is changing drastically and that's been accelerated during COVID. And as we were as an industry focusing on getting people into our facilities, we have to shift to being able to adapt and be able to provide them workout solutions wherever they are, whenever they are, at a high quality. That being said, also, as I said before, connecting that to the in-club experience, because as Aida said, um, the club member experience in the club is still what connects them, and the people in your clubs and instructors still connect them. It's just that you have to be able to uh, get that outside of the club. And I like uh, what Debbie said about data. I mean, we have data that really strongly supports that. Um, and we know from our experience in on-demand that 82% of our on-demand users say they would like to continue uh, doing live classes in the club. So that's one stat uh, for you. 
Another one that's really interesting around acquisition and if digital will steal members, we hear that word a lot, is that 53% of non-gym members, which are prospects that we're unable to reach, uh, to reach have uh, said in the survey that they're interested to try Les Mills live in the club. So again, connecting your online experience to your in-club experience is super important and there needs to be a question, uh, um, a connection between those things. Because one thing's for sure, Nike Plus, Peloton, Apple, all of those uh, platforms that aren't connected with your clubs are gonna compete aggressively in this space. And um, we need to ensure that members are still connected with in-club experience and be able to get as close to that with our digital offering as possible through providing a high quality interaction that's authentic and driving that quality of motivation. Excellent, thank you, Sean. Well, I can't even tell all of you, thank you and a brilliant group of panelists, the best there is. I've had an opportunity to meet some of you in person. For those of you that I haven't, I look forward to it someday when we can all get back together as a, an industry to meet you all in person. And um, brilliant words of advice and feedback. So thank you to each of you. I wish you all the best of luck in your business, wherever you're at, whether you're open, trying to get open, um, wherever you are. We as an industry are, are working together and we'll get through this definitely. So thank you all for, for everything and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you for tuning in. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye.